Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. The Jacksonville Jaguars went into the 2023 NFL Draft with nine draft picks and very few holes to fill. 21 of 22 starters returned from the team that won the AFC South in 2022. The one starter that departed was offensive tackle Juwan Taylor, who signed a free agent deal last month with the Kansas City Chiefs. Then, the day of the draft, their other offensive tackle and the highest paid player on the team, Cam Robinson, was facing a suspension for PED use. Still, with the 24th pick in the draft, the Jaguars opted to trade down one spot to 25 with the New York Giants, also getting the 160th pick in the fifth round in return. Then they traded again, giving number 25 to the Buffalo Bills for number 27 and number 140 in the fourth round. They finally selected at number 27, taking Anton Harrison, the big offensive lineman from Oklahoma. After plenty of wheeling and dealing, they went on to have a total of 13 picks. How did they do? To give us his thoughts and his grades, we welcome back longtime columnist Gene Frenette of the Florida Times Union in Jacksonville. He'll tell us what he thinks in just a moment. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida Network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. With so much to discuss about the Jaguars and the draft, Let's bring Gene Frenette in and get down to business. Gene, welcome back to the podcast. Good to be here, Tim. All right, so before we get into a discussion on individual players that the Jaguars took, what type of overall grade would you give the Jaguars, especially considering the wheeling and dealing where they turned nine picks into 13? Uh, probably uh, probably an overall grade of a B. I think that's probably about where I, where I would fall, obviously, you know, with some players, it's a, the grade's a little bit higher. Others, uh, a little bit lower. I, I didn't think there was any uh, – there was a couple picks that were a little bit surprising. Uh, but uh, I, I thought they uh, – I thought Trent Baalke did particularly well, not only with the first-round pick, but with getting some of those extra picks. Because some of those extra picks, like at uh, 130 and 136, 160, uh, that, that, that netted him Tyler Lacey. Uh, the Oklahoma uh, pass rusher. It also got them Yasir Abdullah uh, from Louisville, who uh, you know I, I think is going to be a really good find. And Antonio Johnson, the safety from Texas A&M, is probably about as high a valued pick for where he was taken in the fifth round. So that's three players that were that the Jaguars were able to get through trade by trading down that I think could. Um, 
potentially have some decent impact on this team. Yeah, definitely. Trader Trent, that's what I was starting to call him on Thursday and Friday. But, you know, great job on him to turn those into picks. So let's get into individual players. I mean, you look at that first pick, Jaguars had number 24 going in, but then they trade down with the Giants to get 25 and a later round pick. But then they trade again to 27 with the Bears to get another later round pick. And ultimately, you know, given that they had lost Juwan Taylor to free agency, they may lose Cam Robinson for up to half a season, possibly. So, you know, they go ahead and they pick the big offensive tackle, six foot four, 315 pounds, Anton Harrison. What did you think of him and what do you like about him and what kind of grade did you assign that pick? Uh, that was one of my better grades for the, for the Jaguars. Now, I, I gave it an A minus. Uh, for for different reasons. Number one, obviously, uh, because of the situation at offensive tackle, as you mentioned, uh, losing Juwan Taylor and then not knowing how long the suspension is going to be for Cam Robinson. From a need standpoint, you probably couldn't have had uh, a greater need than that one. I mean, certainly, certainly you could make an argument for cornerback as well. Uh, but uh, I thought the Jaguars did did really well. Trent did really well there. But in that grade, I think you also have to include trading down because, yes, it's only three spots, but you got really good value there. You know, uh, it was it was interesting that in uh, uh, Peter King was in the was in the Las Vegas Raiders draft room and they were they were mulling uh, a trade, uh, a trade to the uh, 12th spot. And one of the considerations that was mentioned by uh, Josh McDaniels, their coach was Anton Harrison, possibly at 12. So. Again, you know, there there may not have been other NFL teams that had him that high for sure, but the fact that the Jaguars got a guy at 27 that another team was thinking about taking at 12 uh, is an indication that you know there was some, some some pretty decent value there, and for the Jaguars, the need certainly was there. So that's why I gave that pick an A minus. Do you think that he was somebody that they were looking at at 24 and looking at the teams ahead of him thought to themselves, I don't think these teams are going to take an offensive lineman. So then they trade, they get two more lower round picks, and they're still able to get the guy they want. Or what do you think went into making those trades? Well, I, I think uh, number one, there were, there had to have been two or three players on the on the Jaguars board that they really liked, right? So if you trade down three spots, you're you've got, you're taking a pretty reasonable gamble that at least one of your guys is still going to be there. So that's what I think happened. That's what I think happened there. And I think when they saw that the Giants who they took who they took at 25, they said, hey, let's let's try to go down to, you know, let's see if we can go down a couple more spots because we'll probably still get the guy we want. Because a lot of people had Anton Harrison early in the second round, too. So, I mean, it just uh, he, he was kind of a bottom of the first early second projection for a lot of people. So, uh, you know, so I, I think the Jaguars did well because. Like I said, they they got three extra picks out of that that could end up not only on their roster, but also guys that I think could be eventual starters on this team. Yeah, speaking of starters, you know, where does Anton Harrison, do you think, fit in right away with this team? I mean, an offensive lineman, how quickly can they fit in? I mean, look, you want to protect Trevor Lawrence. And I thought it was funny when Doug Peterson was asked about picking an offensive lineman and he kind of smiled and said, do you like Trevor? And the reporter said yes, and he goes, "We like him too, and we want to keep his uniform clean." So, you know how uh, how big of a part do you think Harrison's going to play right away with this team? Well, I would think he'd be the starting right tackle week one. 
That would be my guess. I would think Walker let it be, you know, Cam Robinson's suspensions probably going to be, if I had to take a guess, I would say Cam Robinson will miss six games. That would be my guess. Uh, It could be two, it could be six, could be eight. Uh, But uh, from that standpoint, I think, and, uh, you know, because Walker Little admirably filled in at left tackle for Cam Robinson when he was hurt last year, I think it's probably natural to start him there. Uh, you could certainly flip him to right tackle. What's interesting, what's going to be interesting, is when Cam Robinson comes off the suspension, if you got Walker Little and Antone Harrison as your starting tackles, what are you doing with Cam? Or, or you know, would you bump? Would you possibly bump Anton Harrison to a guard spot for the second half of the year? Because I don't think Cam Robinson's going to be on this roster in 2024. But you know, you paid all this money for him, so you better be you better be playing him while you know when he comes off the suspension. So that's going to be interesting. And you know, and let's face it, it also gives gives the Jaguars some really good depth at a really important for the tackles are important positions. And now you've got basically three, you've got three starters there. Once Cam Robinson comes back off suspension. Yeah. The offensive guards like that, the, the one of the things I always say is with your offensive linemen, uh, you never miss them until they're gone. And if you don't notice them, they're doing their job. So, you know, usually if you hear an offensive lineman, an offensive tackles name, then something probably bad's happened to the quarterback or they're not doing their job. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that. So now let's move on to the second round. You know, the Jags, I think no surprise here, go with a tight end. They take Brenton Strange of Penn State. And, you know, Evan Ingram, he's on a one-year franchise tag, which they're still waiting to, you know, to get that signed and see if he'll do a long-term deal. They lose Chris Manhurts uh, to Denver. And then also they haven't re-signed Dan Arnold. So they, you know, they they were thin at that position. So uh, how did you like this pick of Strange and, and what kind of grade did you give that one? Well, I think in some, in some circles, uh, uh, pun intended, Brenton Strange was a strange pick for the Jaguars in the second round. Uh, you know, th- this is a guy that was you know, I, you know, I wondered if they could have gotten him in the third round. I don't have any any big qualms with him as a player. You know, he he was not a high volume target at Penn State, uh, but he was all he was also somebody who was pretty dependable when it came to catching the ball. And because he's regarded as a as a really good blocker, uh, it could be a nice compliment to Evan Engram when they go when the Jaguars are playing two two ten, tight end sets, which which they will do a lot. But part of me wonders uh, whether the Jaguars could have uh, probably gone for a cornerback here in the second round, maybe somebody like a DJ Turner from Michigan, uh, perhaps Tyreek Stevenson, who ended up going to the Bears, by the way, uh, with the 56th pick that the Jaguars traded. The Jaguars traded down here. They went from 56 to 61, and the Bears took, uh, took Stevenson with the 56th pick. So, uh, you know, the cornerback is it was it was a big need for the Jaguars. So part of me wonders whether they could have gone cornerback in the second round. But, uh, you know, and maybe maybe because in the third round, if you want to get if you're highly into second guessing, uh, they could have had they could have had uh, the Georgia tight end uh, Darnell Washington at 88 because he didn't go till 93 to the Steelers. So, you know, a, a little bit debatable. In fact, I, I'm even second my second guessing myself a little bit for giving the Brenton Strange pick a B grade. I think if I had to do it over again, I would have, I would have downgraded it a little bit more to a B minus. Uh, but uh, not a bad pick, just uh, not not what I would say a wow pick. But uh, 
you know, we'll see. Uh, I just thought that cornerback would have been, from a need standpoint, might have been something a little bit more desirable there. Yeah, he's definitely got nice size, 6'4", 246, and there must be something bulky and Peterson liked about that Penn State offense because, as we'll talk about later on, they also took a receiver from that team. But uh, we'll wait to get to him and and head to the third round, as you were just mentioning. This was maybe the most head-scratching one, taking Tank Bigsby of Auburn. Now, this guy was a stud in college. There's no question that he's a really good running back, but when you have Travis Etienne, when you have Jamichael Hasty, when you go out and get Dearness Johnson from Cleveland, when you draft Snoop Connor last year, that's a full room. So talk about this decision to take Bigsby there with that in the third round. Well, I, I do think that, uh, first of all, Bigsby went pretty much exactly where people thought he would go. He, he was projected as a as a th- as a third round guy, so uh, the, there 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 was certainly no reaching there. But from a need standpoint, you're you're a, you're absolutely correct. I mean, the Jaguars do have a well stocked running back room, but you also want to keep in mind that uh, Bigsby isn't just a explosive runner. He's also got some value as a blocker as well. And you know, I, I'm just wondering if in the back of Trent Baalke's mind and Doug Peterson as well. Uh, if this isn't some sort of insurance policy in case Travis Etienne gets hurt. That, that's the one thing uh, uh, that, I, that I wonder if that entered into their thinking a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously you need two running backs in, in, in the NFL, but, uh, you know, I, I would have thought Dearness Johnson signing last month, more so than Jermichael Hasty, the Dearness Johnson signing would have precluded taking a running back this early. But I certainly, from a value standpoint, I certainly have no problem with Tanks Bigsby going in the third round. Yeah, they must have really liked what they saw. And like I said, he was impressive. But I, I, was, I guess I was just a little bit surprised, too. So, you know, let's, let's move to the fourth round now. And the Jaguars had two picks there. They take the linebacker, Ventrell Miller of Florida, and defensive lineman Tyler Lacey, who you had mentioned of Oklahoma State. So what would you think of those two picks? What type of grades did you give the Jaguars there in the fourth round? Gave the Ventrell Miller pick the worst grade, just about. Uh, I, I gave that one a C. Um, love the kid, love the the player in terms of what he did at Florida. I mean, playing nine games last year on a broken foot speaks very highly about his toughness and his character. So from that standpoint, uh, Ventrell Miller is somebody who's very highly regarded when you start thinking about the traits beyond the football field. But, you know, when you look at what the Jaguars have invested at the position, I mean, you know, they, you know, they, they got Aluokun there uh, last year. They drafted uh, Chad Muma. They, dra- they drafted Devin Lloyd. So they've in- they have a lot of expensive investments at linebacker. Um, I, I would have thought this would have been a-, a spot where they would have gone cornerback, where they would have gone pass rusher, which, uh, which of course, they did do later. But uh, the Ventrell Miller... Uh, Pick surprised me a little bit because I—I I mean, even Ventrell Miller on on the conference call with the Jaguars media said he was surprised to go as high as he did because he didn't get to work out at the combine, didn't work, didn't get to uh, work at his pro day. So uh, there was a lot of uns- uncertainty there. I, I'm just—I'm wondering if the Jaguars didn't didn't take Ventrell Miller, whether he would have even gone. In, uh, you know, even I—I I don't know if he would have gone either in the fourth round or the fifth round. So. Uh, did, didn't like the pick. Really like really liked the player's uh, character traits, though. And then how about Tyler Lacey? This one, well, finally, the you know pass rush was 
uh, along with cornerback, was probably the two greatest needs the Jaguars had going into the draft. So I was glad to see they finally addre- finally addressed that. Um, some some people didn't have Tyler Lacey going as high as the fourth round, but he obviously made an imp- impression on the Jaguars. But I was I gave this I gave this uh, a B plus grade because uh, uh, this is a guy that had 28 sacks the last three years at Oklahoma State. And, you know, has a reputation for having a high motor. You know, listen, every Jaguars draft pick, you heard the same theme over and over again, right? Uh, you know, strong character, going to be a culture fit for our locker room. You hear, you hear that mantra from Trent Balky and Doug Peterson over and over again. So, uh, but uh, the big thing for me was that they, they finally uh, they finally got addressed their pass rush, and uh, this guy seems to have a little bit of uh, versatility to him. So he's a guy that might uh, might be playing a little bit both inside and outside. And I think the versatility factor with Lacey was a huge attraction for the Jaguars. Yeah, again, at 6'4", 285, good-sized guy, nice speed, that type of thing. So, uh, yeah, I, I really like that pick there. So moving into the fifth round, again, they stuck with more defense here. They went with the edge rusher out of Louisville, Yasir Abdullah, and then they go with defensive back Antonio Johnson of Texas A&M. So talk about those two players and what you liked about those picks. This was the best round the Jaguars had. Trent Baalke did, for value, for uh, need, he did better in the fifth round than any other round. And I'm not, you know, obviously Anton Harrison in the first round is great, but you got two guys here in Yasir Abdullah, uh, who is from Louisville. It's not Louisville. It's Louisville. And uh, <laughs> pet peeve of mine, sorry. And uh, later on in the fifth round, Antonio Johnson, the safety from Texas A&M. I mean, many people had him as high as the third round. So uh, there was a lot of value to be had there. And these are guys who I think are going to be eventual starters for the Jaguars. Not, maybe not this year, but I think eventually it's very possible those guys will be in the starting lineup in 2024. So did you give both of those players uh, an A grade, a B grade? What'd you give them? I gave Abdullah an A minus and I gave Antonio Johnson a B plus, And I could have easily made an A minus for Antonio Johnson. I thought these two guys, along with Anton Harrison, were the best draft picks for the Jaguars in the, in, in the entire draft. All right. And I'll work on my pronunciation. Louisville, Louisville. That's correct. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's head to the uh, the sixth round. And here they landed three picks. And this is where some of that wheeling and dealing came in late in the draft. And as I mentioned, they get a receiver from Penn State named Parker Washington. They take the cornerback, which you had mentioned they had probably needed to take a little bit earlier. But they get Christian Braswell of Rutgers and defensive back Aaron, Eric Hallett of Pittsburgh. So what did you think about those picks? And, you know, sixth rounders, you often wonder what type of contributors are these guys going to be? So how do you see them fitting in next year? Well, obviously when you get, when you get to this point of the draft, uh, you're, you're, you're hoping that these guys are going to be special teams, uh, have, have at least a role on special teams for you. Uh, that that's really, um, you know, from an immediate standpoint, that's really what you're looking for. You're not, you're not necessarily looking for a guy that's going to crack your rotation. Uh, I mean, could that happen with Parker Washington? Yeah, I suppose it could. But, uh, you know, th- this is a guy who's just got average speed. Uh, he's 5'9", 204. Uh, so I'm assuming the Jaguars think he ha- he's a very disciplined route runner and has really good ball instincts. Uh, but, uh, again, uh, I-, I gave the Parker Washington uh, a C-plus C plus grade. 
Um, the other two, Christian Braswell, the, the cornerback from Rutgers. I thought this was really late to be taking a corner, a cornerback. Uh, he's probably going to be a candidate for a nickelback job. Probably, maybe, maybe if he's good enough, uh, give Trey Herndon a little bit of a push there. But uh, uh, I, I wasn't all I wasn't all that down with the Christian Braswell pick. I just think I just thought cornerback. I, I'm really shocked that the Jaguars waited that long uh, to take a cornerback. Uh, the other six round pick, Eric Hazlitt, uh, safety out of Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, second team All ACC pick. Uh, so he, he has put up uh, he's put up the decent numbers. Picked off six passes the last two years. So we'll see. But again, uh, for these guys, you're looking you're looking special teams guy, and maybe Parker Washington, you know, can compete for that for the last one or two receiver spots, depending on whether the Jaguars have five or six receivers on the opening day roster. Yeah, and there's definitely going to be an uphill battle for Parker Washington only because, you know, they, they've got, you know, a new receiver coming in and Calvin Ridley, who's just been reinstated. You've got uh, Christian Kirk, of course, who signed a big deal before last year and had a great season. You have Zay Jones, who was signed before last year and had a great season. So, uh, you know, it's going to be really hard to, to crack that lineup as a rookie wide receiver when you've got three guys such as that you know, uh, all who are expected to be big contributors. And then of course at tight end, uh, with Evan Ingram. So I don't, I don't think the Jaguars expected this guy to be, to be uh, taking away any kind of playing time from anybody, but you know, but I, he, could he, could he get some work as the, maybe as the fifth receiver? Yeah, maybe, uh, you know, that could happen, but, uh, uh, you, you, nobody drafts a receiver in the sixth round, with the expectation that that that, uh, that he's going to take that he's going to be one of your top three receivers, that that's just not that's just not realistic. So we'll see. Like I said, the the speed doesn't knock doesn't knock my socks off. But uh, if he's a disciplined enough route runner, you know maybe maybe he can get a role there. But obviously, uh, his his first priority has to be winning a job on special teams. Yeah, there you go. Always play hard on special teams. Good lesson for these guys in the lower round. So let's let's head into that final round, seven, where, again, they had three more picks. They go Cooper Hodges, a guard from Appalachian State. They go Raymond Vohasek, a defensive tackle from North Carolina, and then Houston fullback Derek Parrish. So give us your thoughts on some of those players and what you liked or didn't like about those. Well, I, I was okay with the Cooper Hodges pick, and I gave, I gave it a B. Uh... Uh, by the way, he's a Baker, uh, Baker County high school kid, uh, and uh, he's going to have a chance to make the roster maybe as a fourth guard. So listen, at that point, in the seventh round, if you're drafting somebody who's got a chance to, uh, to, earn, a, to earn a roster spar, a spot as your fourth guard, then, uh, then you've done well. If, if, if indeed Cooper Hodges makes that uh, makes that transition and, and becomes a guard. And at the very least, they're probably all three of these guys might be practice squad guys. But uh, Derek, Derek Parrish is the more interesting one because he was an edge rusher in college and they're drafting him as a fullback. Uh, and, you know, I mean, Doug Peterson made made no mistake about it. You know, the, the Jaguars had some concerns about their ability to convert on short yardage situations last year. And which has been a problem for them for many, many years, by the way, not just last year. Uh, but, you know, they have been, you know, they've been denied too often on third and one and fourth and one. And so uh, they view Parrish as somebody who could pot, potentially help them in that area. So from that standpoint, uh, I thought he was the uh, might be the best one of the of the seventh round picks. Vohasek, uh, the defensive tackle from North Carolina, 
uh, gave it an average grade. Uh, see, again, um, you know, at that level, I, you just don't know what what he's going to be able to uh, uh, contribute because the Jaguars defense defensive line is a little bit thin, right? Because you lost you you've lost uh, you've lost Smoot, you lost the you lost Arden Key, although he's a pass rusher more than anything. But uh, you know, the Jaguars could probably use a little bit of depth in the defensive line. So maybe Vahasek can uh, uh, sneak in there and land one of the last roster spots. But I, I, I see him more as a practice squad guy. And then, you know, there, there's actually news today on Monday out of the Jaguars where uh, Kalevon Chason, he is, uh, he's, they, they've declined the fifth year option. Now, you know, he only had three sacks in three years with the team, but uh, you know, what did you think of the move to uh, move on from him? Well, I mean, this 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 not anything unexpected. No, nobody expected the Jaguars to pick up his fifth year option. I mean, he he simply hasn't been productive enough. Uh, one of the, in my opinion, in the last, you know, there's been a lot of disappointments with Jaguars draft picks. It's, you know, too many of them in the first round. Uh, this one was a uh, Clavon Chase on is one of the, in my opinion, one of the biggest disappointments. Uh, you know, and, and, and the thing is, and I, and I'm, I'll, I'll probably be writing about this, uh, uh, a little bit later this week, that 2020 draft class outside of Devon Hamilton has, has really, uh, been, uh, been a horror show for quite frankly. And it goes to show how much we, and I, when I say we, I mean, me, I mean, many draft analysts gave the Jaguars very high marks for that 2020 draft, which had C.J. Henderson at number nine, Clavon Chase on at number at number 20. So, uh, um, you know, it's just just goes to show you that uh, draft draft grades can change drastically in the course of two years. And I don't know of any draft grade that has changed much more drastically for the Jaguars than that 2020 class. Wow. Really interesting. You know, uh, I, I don't know also if you saw this today, but there were 11 undrafted free agents uh, on Monday. And, uh, you know, it, it, for those listening, if you want to see who all those names were, check out Justin Lewis's story at Jacksonville.com. We're not going to read them all out here, but there were a couple of kids from UCF, among others. And, uh, you know, some could be potential contributors. Did you get a chance to look through that list and uh, have any thoughts on? I would say if, if any of them caught my eye, it was probably Leonard Taylor, the tight end from Cincinnati, um, he was recruited recruited into college mostly as a defensive end, and uh, but uh, you know uh, he had like 69 catches in 60 games, so that's that's obviously not a high volume of catches. But uh, you know this is a guy that had offers from Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Tennessee going into college, so he was a pretty highly valid valued recruit. But that was as a defensive end. Now he's trying to make it in the NFL as a tight end. So I, I thought that was that one was a little bit intriguing. There weren't uh, out of all these guys. Uh, the other one that caught my eye was probably the cornerback Caleb Hayes out of BYU. Uh, he had the third fastest forty time of all the cornerbacks in the entire draft, and then this includes, you know, undrafted free agents. And uh, he, he ran a four three one. So from that standpoint, uh, he's a little bit intriguing. He was. Uh, like uh, considered like the 37th best cornerback in a draft that was really, really well stocked at cornerback. So 
that one, that one, uh, and he intrigues me a little bit more than Devad Wilson, who's the other cornerback, cornerback uh, safety. I'll be, I don't know, I don't know how the Jaguars regard me. There's a cornerback or as a safety, ran a four four five. Uh, so you know, we'll see. But th- those are the ones that that caught my eye. Uh, there, you know, there was no, there was no quarterbacks. They they drafted, they signed three receivers, and the, the one guy, if any, that that caught my eye was probably Jure Jenkins. A starter uh, at LSU had 12 touchdown catches the last two years, 6'1", 204, not terribly fast. Only ha- only had a 4'640 time, but more of a possession type guy. But uh, you know he might be somebody that could be be able to play the slot. Uh, he's the one guy out of those three receivers that that caught my eye, and I would say out of the 11 undrafted Jaguars free agents, he's probably going to be the most recognizable name to most people. So there you go. You got 13 draft picks. 11 undrafted free agents, 24 new players for the Jaguars to evaluate and check out before we head into next season. Before we wrap up there, though, Gene, you know, I want to talk to you about a column you wrote uh, that, that I found really interesting looking at the AFC South and the rookie quarterbacks, because obviously at number two, the Houston Texans go with C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. And then just a few picks later, Anthony Richardson, the polarizing Florida quarterback, he goes to the Indianapolis Colts. And then Tennessee, you know, they kind of lucked out. There, there were some who thought they might take Will Levis with that pick early on in the draft, and instead he falls to them in the second round. And, you know, there, there's talk that uh, Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill, may not even be there with the team when the year starts if they trade him, or I don't know if they would uh, cut him or how that would work. But, you know, if you're looking at those three quarterbacks who are drafted, you know, uh, who do you think is the one that might be able to give the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence, the biggest headache for years to come. Well, I don't think uh, in my mind right now, I would have to say uh, CJ Stroud, the, the number two pick who went, who went to the Texans. He's, he's the guy that I think uh, probably has, I don't know that he necessarily has the most upside because I think a lot of people feel like Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback who went to the Colts at number four has probably got the highest ceiling, but he also might also have the lowest floor because, you know, he had a 54% accuracy rate in college and only started 13 or 14 games at Florida. Uh, so he is the one that probably has the longest way to go uh, to become, you know, any kind of a polished NFL quarterback. But he, Anthony Richardson went to the perfect team. And I, the reason I say that is uh, Shane Steichen, the, the head coach for the, the first year head coach for the Baltimore Colts. He's a guy that developed Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's a guy that developed Justin Herbert when he was out, out with the Chargers uh, a few years back in, in, in Herbert's rookie year. So uh, he's done wonders with Hertz and Herbert. And so if Anthony Richardson, who has a lot to learn and is anxious to learn and wants to be able, you know, is, you know, going to be a he's going to be a sponge in the NFL. And he went to the perfect team to be a sponge uh, with Stane Steichen as the basically the probably the best quarterback, one of the better quarterback tutors he might ever have in a head coach. So uh, I do, I do like where Anthony Richardson went. What, but, I, but if you're asking me, who do I think could, uh, has the best chance to go, you know, point for point with Trevor Lawrence in the coming years, I would, I would lean more to CJ Stroud. And it's interesting with the Titans, uh, with getting, uh, finally getting Will Levis at 33. Um, I don't think that they'll part ways with Ryan Tannehill. 
I'd be I'd be surprised if they traded him away. I mean, uh, anything short of Will Levis like wowing them in training camp and in the preseason, uh, I just don't see it. I I think Will Levis needs to probably uh, sit the bench here for half a year or three quarters of the year or whenever the t- the Titans are actually out of the AFC South playoff chase. Uh, you know, I, I think Tannehill's going to be their guy, but I don't think he'll be I don't think he'll be their guy in 2024. So so if you're the Jaguars. Uh, if you're Jaguar fans, I mean, I, to me, it's great. You know, you're, you're hitting these three young quarterbacks all coming into the division. They'll have two years less of a head start uh, than than Trevor Lawrence has on them. Uh, to me, it's the it's a it's an ideal situation for the Jaguars, and very you know not all that unsimilar to what happened with Peyton Yan- uh, Peyton Manning during during his years in the AFC South division. He had so much more experienced than the quarterbacks he was going against. You had a bunch of first round picks that the Jaguars and the Titans and uh, of course the Houston Texans with David uh, David Carr back in 2002, I believe it was. Uh, and none of those top 10 quarterbacks, and there were seven of them in all. And if you want to go beyond that to Andrew Luck's years, none of them panned out. None, you know, just they, they they none of them lived up to where they were drafted. So if you go by history, these three quarterbacks that are in the AFC South, one of them is probably going to flop. One of them is probably going to be really good, maybe, and maybe the other one will be just average. But uh, it's certainly a huge advantage for the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence that uh, you know for the next two years you got to you got to figure uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to have a huge upper hand on the other AFC South quarterbacks. You just never know with Gene, uh, you know, all of these crazy things that can happen with the draft. So you have any other uh, thoughts on the 2023 NFL draft before I let you go? I, I just I just don't think that this 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 was kind of an underwhelming draft. If it wasn't for the quarterbacks, this would have been a really underwhelming draft because I don't, I don't think that this was a draft that was considered all that deep. I think it was a draft that where you really had to make your hay in the first three rounds. But as I said earlier, I think the Jaguars did on paper again, this is all on paper. I think they did really well uh, in that, in that fifth round, Uh, you know, getting, uh, getting, getting, uh, getting uh, um, Antonio Johnson and and getting uh, Abdullah. I mean, those, those to me were really, really solid picks. So I think the I think the Jaguars did better than most on day three. Uh, the, uh, now whether, you know, day one, day two, though, though, that's a, that's a little bit of a, a little bit of a different story, but I think on day three, the Jaguars did, ex- did exceptionally well. And I think they did really solid with their first round tick and Anton Harrison and, you know, but hopefully we won't be looking back at this class in 2025 or 26 and seeing the same thing now that we're seeing with the 2020 class. So, uh, um, you know, hopefully Trent Balky, uh, was able to uh, to get the right guys, but but we'll we'll see. You know, we we've we've seen other drafts that we thought were really good and didn't turn out great, and we've seen other drafts where we were kind of ho hum, and sometimes they turn out better than expected. Gene, I appreciate it. And again, you can find all of Gene Fournette's work at Jacksonville.com. And Gene, if people want to follow along on Twitter, where can they find you? Uh, at Gene Fournette. Alrighty, nice and simple, Gene. As always, I appreciate it. Thank you for stopping by and sharing your knowledge and your grades and everything else with us. Thanks for having me. All right, and that's going to do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote the great Dr. Seuss, 
You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. I love Dr. Seuss, and I love to rhyme. Thanks for listening, and join me again next time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.